All right, well, uh, so good to see you this morning. If we've never met before, my name is Rob Stinnett. I'm one of the pastors here at One Chapel, and we are continuing our better. Everyone say better. We are continuing our better series. And so to kind of jump off and talk about this, uh, you can follow along today in your message notes. Ushers have those. And so if you did not get message notes, raise your hand right now, and ushers will make sure that we get those. As they're passing those out, I want to remind you uh, that our team one, everyone say team one. Team One, we are having a rally for Team One. It's these cards right here on your chairs. We are having a rally for all members of Team One. They're in the incredible volunteer team that makes things at One Chapel possible. And so if you're on the team, you know what it is. If not, if you're thinking about joining the team, you can actually flip this over and see a lot of the areas that we have that you can serve in. And so if you're a part of the team or if you're not a part of the team but you want to find out more, today after second service, we're going to have lunch together in a big rally with our Team One. All right? And so looking forward to that. But before we do that, we got to jump into our message. And so I want to tell you about me. January 2019, I made a resolution that I was going to become a runner. I really decided like, okay, not I'm going to run. I was going to become a runner. I was going to become one of those people. And so I uh, got all the gear, and then I stepped onto Town Lake, and kind of there's that trail that you can take all around it and run around Town Lake. And I realized, like, it was like one of these kids is doing his own thing. Like, I was kind of out there with my headband and my socks and all that sort of stuff. But everyone out there was like a sculpted Adonis who had been running for a 1,000 years. It was just like when they ran, they breathed oxygen into their lungs. When I ran, I breathed cyanide into my lungs. <laughs> I was just like, what am I doing wrong? What is going on? You see this picture right here of this guy. They look kind of like this guy. This guy wears sunglasses and they don't even move. They just stay perfectly on his face. It's just like he's wired to become a runner. He is a runner. And so I see all these people around Town Lake looking at that. And I have to admit, there was a moment where I kind of stopped, catch my breath, and I was like, you know what? I'm not one of these people. I don't belong here. I'm a fake. I'm a phony. I don't belong with the runners. I'm not a real runner. That's not really who I am. That's not my DNA. That's not natural for me. I've also kind of made a resolution that I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat healthier. And so I went and I've decided to start like eating healthier. But when I first like tried to eat healthier, I would go and go to restaurants. And uh, have you ever noticed that like really healthy eating people order food, kind of like they're movie stars. They're like, I'll have massage kale with like a three drips of lamb oil on a bed of lettuce, you know, and you're just like, what are you talking about? And then it would come around to me and I'd be like, okay, eat healthy, eat healthy. And they'd be like, yes, what do you want, sir? And I'd be like, queso burger, extra queso. <laughs> just like, it was like all I knew how to order. And I was just like, you know what? That's not me. It's not my DNA. I'm not really a healthy eater. Like deep down, that's not really who I am. And so I had these sort of thoughts and things about me. But I think for other people, maybe we're talking today about gifts of the Spirit. And we think about kind of like be using gifts of the Spirit, operating in gifts of the Spirit. We think about that and we think about the person who sits in the first few rows, the person who just is extra spiritual. When they say stuff, you're like, oh, wow, that was so spiritual. When they worship, their hands go up a little bit higher. And it's just like, wow, that person really has a good worship style. I don't know how to, I don't quite know what I'm doing. I don't know how to worship well. And we think like, oh, gifts of the Spirit, it's for that person. It's not for me. But what if I told you this? The gifts of the Spirit are from every person in this room. They're for all of us. 
And so I think it's really easy to uh, get lost and think like, oh, that's not for me, that's not for me. And the reason why is because we actually get confused about God-given gifts. God-given gifts. Gifting is an idea that's like in our culture. We think of a gifted person. I actually Googled LeBron James kind of early on, like his 2002, and I found this quote that called him a spectacularly gifted 6'7", 225-pound point guard. And so they kind of described LeBron James, and it was really interesting that like in the first three words, gifted was one of those words that they used. And so we're like, when we talk about gifted, we talk about natural talents. I watch a lot of uh, sports, so watch a lot of football, watch a lot of basketball, and all the time the announcers will say, oh, you can't coach that. He was born with that sort of, uh, that sort of gift, that sort of ability. So this idea of being gifted is really into our culture. Even my little kids, they're there in school, and if they're really good at something, what do we call it? We put them into the gifted and talented program. So this idea of being gifted is something that we're like, okay, there's certain people who have gifts, and that's something that are born with, but that's not me. But I actually think uh, we have to separate these th two ideas between a God-given gift, which is something that we're born with. A God-given gift is a scriptural idea, but this is something that we're born with, something that we're created with, something that is in our DNA. Last week, Pastor Ross, at the end of the message, it was there, and he's just teaching, and then all of a sudden, he breaks out in a song, and the band's just playing, and he just starts singing, and it's like the heavens open up, and it is so beautiful. It's amazing. I promise you that at the end of today's message, if I break out into song, most of you will not come back. <laughs> it will be bad because it's just it's not the way that God gifted me. It's not that sort of thing. But a spiritual gift is different than a God-given gift. God-given gift, yeah, there's certain gifts and talents that are wired into us, but a spiritual gift is something that is available to all of us. And so let's look at... Um, today to really dive into this idea. Let's dive into scripture and look at the words of Jesus. Luke 11, 11, 13, uh, 11 through 13 says this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so we think of these gifts and these gifts from God are there, and, and he's saying, you know what, you're not even that great, but you give gifts to your children. Even, even really, you know, people who are callous or whatever else, they give Christmas gifts, they give gifts, you know, gift giving is sort of in our nature, but God who loves us so much more is going to give us so much more extravagant, gift, extravagant gifts. And so, but who does he give the gifts to? Does he give the gifts to those who are born with it? Does God give the gifts to those that he likes the most? Does God give the gifts to only those who have gone through seminary? No. Who does it say? It says, the Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. There's this big idea in Scripture over and over again of these gifts, these things of the Spirit, come to those who seek God and seek these gifts. And so if we want these gifts in the Spirit that we're talking about, it's not something that can, we can be passive about. It has to be something that we have to lean in. It has to be something that we push for, that we pray about, that we say, okay, God, I want to ask for these gifts. So uh, I also want to look at James 1.17, which says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God has not changed. He has always been a good gifter, giver. 
But a spiritual gift is not a reward for good behavior. A spiritual gift, it is not because you're special. A spiritual gift is the byproduct of a relationship. Byproduct of a relationship. The Holy Spirit gives the gift, and he shares with us all the good things of God. But I think most of us go, okay, God-given gifts, the singing, basketball, writing, whatever those sort of things, like those given gifts that are natural talents, I understand what those given gifts are. But these other sort of gifts, what are you talking about? What really are the gifts of the Spirit? Well, let's see what Paul says. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 1. And Paul says this, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul is establishing a criteria for distinguishing the Holy Spirit experiences from those of pagan religion. Led astray by mute idols versus speaking the Spirit of God. Most likely, he's contrasting the extraordinary supernatural experiences of ecstatic speech in a pagan. So he's coming to a really pagan culture. They're worshiping idols. They're having all these spiritual experiences. And there'll be really negative experiences as part of that. And so Paul's like, no, no, no. This is not what this is. If it's saying Jesus be cursed, if it's leading you to darkness, that is not what a gift of the Spirit is. And so another big idea that he says in this is mute idols. Mute idols. He's saying, listen, you're wor- you were worshiping these mute idols, these things that were not alive, these things that were not speaking. What I'm talking to you about today is this is alive. This is a living, breathing presence of God. And so it's important for us to know if a religious experience does not honor Jesus as Lord, then it is not from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we'll continue on starting at verse 4, says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Paul says, listen, there's not just one gift. It's not like this is the one gift of God. He's explaining, setting up the idea, there are many gifts, but it's not from all sorts of different gods. It is one God, one Lord, one Spirit. So this is particularly important because Corinthians thought their gift tongues was the most important and spiritual. They're like, we kind of have the key on the market. Yeah, the the other gifts are good, but the gift God has given me is the most important. But Paul's kind of tearing down this idea. Continuing on, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. So he's about to list out. You're asking, okay, you're talking about these gifts of the Spirit. What are you talking about? He's about to list out. These are what the gifts of the Spirit are. To one, there is given through the message of wisdom, To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So does that make your head spin a little bit, kind of reading all those? Like, wait, what are all these gifts? What is he talking about? I think it's important to kind of slow down here and unpack each one of the gifts that he's talking about. And maybe uh, the important thing to understand is that the diversity of these different gifts are not to threaten the unity of the Holy Spirit. No, no gift makes you more spiritual than another one. It is good for you to look at all these gifts and look at the Holy Spirit as the giver. 
we are like the body that works together. But to really understand these gifts, the best way may be to break them down in categories. So the first one is communication. Everyone say communication. These are communication gifts, speaking gifts, like exhortation, prophecy, and teaching. And so what's exhortation? Exhortation is the spirit God gives to his people in the church to strengthen and encourage those who are wavering in their faith. Have you ever had that moment where someone says, listen, you seem strong in your faith, but I'm not sure if I can believe what you believe. I don't know if I don't have the strength of my faith like you have. Or have you ever had that moment where your faith has been rocked by a circumstance, by a sickness, by a, by a friend going through a situation, by, a, by your job being laid off where you're like, okay, my faith is being tested. In those sort of moments, we can have someone else exhort us. There's some sort of moments where you'll go through a really difficult time where someone will say something to you and it kind of pierces through all the darkness and everything that's going on. You're like, how did you know that? What's going on here? And it stirs up faith in you. And this is a spiritual gift, this idea of you can say certain things and it'll stir up the faith in another. Titus 2.11 uh, talks about this, and also Second Timothy kind of talks about these sort of ideas of stirring up a faith in another. The next sort of communication gift is prophecy. The Greek word for the gift of prophecy is prophetia. I probably mispronounced that, which is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others of the church. First Corinthians fourteen three talks about that. Um, but it's important that as we're talking about this idea of prophecy, it's also spoken through words, kind of through the human mind. And so we have to test each one of these prophecies against the scripture, which is 1 Thessalonians 5.20 talks about the idea of testing prophecy. Next is teaching. The spiritual gift of teaching is one that really carries a heavy responsibility in the church. The word didaskoto coming, uh, which we use as didactic, means to teach, to instruct, to instill doctrine, explain, and expound. Those with the spiritual gift of teaching love to study the Word of God for extended periods of time. And so each one of these three ideas, they're kind of all used, you can see they're used for different things. Exhortation is used to encourage faith. Prophecy is used to actually speak the truth of God to different people in different situations. And teaching is to take scriptures and kind of expound it and help other people understand it. But for each one of these, what stirs these gifts is a love for Scripture. You see, when we spend time in Scripture, we start to become more comfortable with it, and it starts to come alive to us. And we see this in lots of different areas. My daughter, Claire, uh, she was with me in 2017. She kind of decided, like, okay, I'm going to start getting into football. And so I was like, okay, honey, why don't you watch a football game with me? So she sits down to watch the football game, and she's sitting there, and she's like, Dad. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, Dad, all the men do is they, like, line up, they crash, and then they line up again. <laughs> and this is fun? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I don't understand what any of this means. What's that yellow line for? And what's for QTR? What does that mean? And so she, like, doesn't understand anything about football. And so I was like, honey, you're, it's going to be kind of overwhelming at first, but if you watch it more and spend some time with me, I promise you'll understand. Cut to 2019. We're watching the Super Bowl, and she's like, that was clearly holding. That was pass interference. All we need is a first down, two-point conversion, onside kick, and then we win this game. Let's go! <laughs> And I saw such a radical transformation from like all people just getting in line and crash and she knew nuances of the game that I didn't know about because she was passionate about it. She learned about it. She spent time with it. She watched it. She read about it. She talked about it with her friends. And when that sort of things happened, it stirred and there was a profound understanding that she didn't have before. 
I kind of gave all those examples of, of running, of eating, that sort of stuff. Some of this stuff doesn't come naturally. Some of this stuff is stuff that we have to apply ourselves and put ourselves to and say, okay, I'm going to spend time to these things. I'm going to spend time in the scripture. If you've been around Pastor Ross very much, you'll know a phrase that he says often is what? Today's Bible reading. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Not yesterday, not tomorrow. It means every single day he is spending time in it. Every single day he's encouraging all of us as a staff and as a church to spend time in it. And the reason why is because as we spend time in the scripture, we understand different things. But it's more than just becoming an expert at football or an expert at running because actually I'll read the exact same passages, the exact same verses, and God will bring them to life and I'll understand them in a different way at different times and particularly to help people in different moments. And that's the spirit kind of working working through the Bible. It's not just head knowledge over here that's distant. It's breathing. It's alive. Does that make sense? Okay, really big idea that we're talking about there. So the first kind of category of gifts is communication. So important for us to communicate the gifts of Scripture. Second idea is this, the serving types of gift, serving types of gift, giving, help, hospitality, mercy, service. And, and I want to pause right here for a second. First Corinthians 12 kind of gives us a foundational list of these gifts of the Spirit, but there are other moments in different scripture where there are other gifts of the spirits that are talked about. So it's important that we don't see it as like, oh, this exact gift or this idea, as much as big themes of these are the type of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. So serving is another big, big theme that we have. Caring for the sick is a big, big theme uh, throughout with these gifts. Generosity, when you see someone on the side of the road, some of you drove into church this morning, and you may have seen someone on the side of the road holding a sign, and you, you're like, okay, I, I feel that gift of the Spirit. I feel that sort of sense of generosity. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit stirring inside of us, saying, okay, we need to act out. We need to do something. We took the legacy offering uh, this year, and many of you were like, okay, I want to I really go above and beyond and give. Pastor Ross is holding a ream of paper this morning, and the Holy Spirit stirring some of us of like, okay, I can imagine those teachers without paper, without enough kids. I got to do something. That's sort of being stirred in you. And so this idea of generosity is really a gift that will happen. But it, again, it's important to know that like the difference between God-given and Holy Spirit is God-given, it's like, okay, Pastor Ross is a singer, I'm not a singer. For the Holy Spirit gifts, it's not like, okay, they're generous and I'm not generous. They serve and I don't serve. That's not how this works. This works of like all these gifts are available to you and all these gifts are needed by you. You're needed to act out in these things. One moment this really kind of came to life for me is I was talking with Stephen Brewer, who is one of the executive directors at Austin Disaster Relief Network, and he said, you know, a lot of people will say to me, natural disaster help, that's not really my thing. And he'll look at him and say, oh, that's because you've never been through a natural disaster. When you go through a really difficult time, all of a sudden it becomes your thing. Visiting someone in the hospital, well, that's not really my thing. Well, that's because you've never really had a situation where you really had to visit someone in the hospital and answer difficult questions and pray difficult prayers. At that moment, it becomes your thing. And at that moment, the gifts of the Spirit are there with you to pray prayers that you never thought were possible, to say things that you never thought were possible, to have courage and strength and wisdom. It's not something that you have to do on your own. And so these serving type of gifts are really important for all of us. Next gifts are leadership. Everyone say leadership. Leadership gifts. This is administration, uh, being sort of a leader in the church, a pastor. 
If you've seen an administrator at one chapel, you know it is a spiritual gift. <laughs> you know kind of how much is put at them. And, and when you think about it, this is the early church Paul is talking about, the early church that's kind of forming and figuring this out. Okay, what is all this and how does all this work? And it took real administration to actually go and just take, okay, we were 12 guys in the room, passionate, and now all of a sudden, okay, we're forming a church. We're going to form an organization that changes the world. And there was administration that had to happen, and that continues through 2,000 years. It continues through this Sunday morning. There was someone who had to come here and put those little cards on the chairs and turn on the heat and turn on and open up the doors and fire up the sound system and turn on the lights and uh, get the kids' classrooms ready. There's some real administration that happens to it. And sometimes we think like, oh, that's just kind of like the nuts and bolts of it. But it's like, no, the Holy Spirit is even alive in that of giving ideas of like, okay, this is how we do this better. This is how we can attack this. This is how we can think through this. There's some uh, inspiration that can happen even in tasks that seem ordinary. There's also leadership gifts and pastoral gifts. And I can tell you, I've been in church leadership for a lot of my lives. And sometimes it feels like that scene in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he's there and he's stepping to the edge of the cliff. And he feels like, okay, I'm stepping off the edge and I don't know if there's anything right there in front of me. Well, a lot of times when we have to make a big decision as leaders in a church organization, it's like, okay, we can look at all the facts, we can look at all the things, but there are many times that we have to kind of stir up that gift and say, okay, Holy Spirit, please help. God, please help us. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment in how to do this. And so these leadership gifts are really important, and many of you are called to be leaders. Don't think like that sort of thought that I had about being a runner of like, ah, that's not me, that's not my gifting, that's not my DNA. I can never lead. I can never step out in that gift. That's not true. That's a lie. You have a leader in you. You have someone who you can follow Jesus in a way, and when you follow Jesus in that way, others are going to want to follow you. You have that gift. Next, next category is outreach gifts, outreach gifts, apostle, evangelism, speaking in tongues. These were some of the first gifts that we see in the scripture. Acts 2 actually tells the Holy Spirit coming on the followers of Jesus after they'd been seeking him for a long time. It wasn't like Jesus ascended up into heaven and they're like, okay, we've got the gifts, let's go. It's like Jesus ascended up into heaven and they had got, gotten room together and they were scared and they're frightened. They're like, okay, what do we do We've had him with us every step of the way. How do we do this now? And so they spent a long time kind of doing what we're going to do in the worship night together on March 3rd. They just kind of got together and they worshiped and they lifted their voices and they prayed and they said, God, come amongst us, do a work amongst us. And after being there uh, for a long, long time, they went and they stepped out and th then they actually started to use the gift. The first kind of gift of the Spirit that we see in the Bible is in Acts 2 where uh, the different disciples go and they start speaking in different tongues. They actually start speaking in different languages and people are understanding them all over the place and a miracle is happening. And that's really where the early church first started was with that sp first gift of the Spirit, with that first miracle where God moved amongst those people and everyone was like, what is happening? How is this happening? And so we need all of these gifts that I've lifted listed out here. We need those outreach gifts. Those outreach gifts are so important because without the outreach gifts, 
we don't have a future of the church. The outreach gifts are the people who are like, okay, there are people in this room this morning, and that's awesome, but there are people who are not in this room this morning that should be here. We have missionaries in Lebanon who are like, there are people across the world who need to know Jesus. I'm going to use those outreach gifts. There are people who are going with our Healing on the Streets ministry. They're actually going and doing something incredibly bold, which is like, hey, can I... I pray. I don't know you, but can I pray for you to be healed? Kaka, that is so bold. Are, do you, we kind of say healing on the streets, okay? I'm like, what are we talking about? We have people praying to be healed. That is New Testament faith sort of stuff. It's incredible, okay? And so this is an outreach gift, and it takes that sort of bold step of like, all right, there are these outreach gifts, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to share the love of Jesus with other people. And so these are the gifts that we're talking about here. And so if we need, it's important for us to know that we need each one of these gifts. It's not like I have this one, you have this one, or wherever else. But the rest of the chapter really talks about we need these gifts working together. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all, everyone say all, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were, all, we were all given the one spirit to drink. God's given all of us these gifts. And each one of us were baptized in that sort of way. And we can all benefit from the strengths of others in the body of Christ. We can all benefit. So how do we know the spiritual gifts are happening? How do we know they're taking place? Well, I think we see fruit of them. And we talked about this last week. In Galatians 5, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. But the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is one byproduct of the gifts of the Spirit. So if we're seeing the gifts of the Spirit being operated in, if we're seeing these gifts happening all around us, we should also see the fruits happening. If the gifts of the Spirit are happening, then it should be a place of love, of joy, of peace, kindness, goodness. These are the things that happen. And so I think as we talk about these gifts, a lot of times Christians make two mistakes. And I'm, you're looking at this, me this morning, I'm wondering, what are you thinking? What are you really thinking deep down? And I think there are two thoughts that we have when it comes to this. One is... We've seen misuse of the gifts by a lack of scriptural order. We've seen a misuse of the gifts. And the other is a rejecting or quenching of the gifts of the Spirit. And so really, a lot of times, and I know even for me, if I'm going to be totally honest in my life, a lot of times we can go and lean back from this conversation. We can cross our arms a little bit. We can say, oh, that's not for me. Because we've seen the other area where it's been misused or out of alignment. And so, but I think it's important for us to know that if you are seeking Jesus, these gifts are for you. And the way to kind of talk about, like, the way this gets out of alignment is I think about angels. The Bible describes angels, and there's all sorts of stories of visitations of angels in the Bible. The Bible talks about, and I can't imagine what it'd be like if I'm Gideon, if I'm Lot, if I'm Jacob, if I'm Hagar, if I'm Mary, if I'm Joseph, maybe I'm Jacob, and I'm there, and I'm going along my day, and then all of a sudden, oh, an angel appears to me, and I'm like, wow, what is this? 
And so if I'm there and I'm looking at it, I don't know what would happen. I kind of imagine, like, my guardian angel, what he would look like. And in my head, he kind of looks like Chris Hemsworth. I think of, uh, <laughs> I think, like, yeah, <laughs> I think, like, he's right there, like, I got you, Rob. Thanks, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> And so I kind of imagine, like, this is what he looks like, and he's got, like, a flaming sword, and he's super cool, and I can imagine I'm kind of living my life, and he suddenly appears to me and is like, okay, Rob, God's got a job for you. God needs you to do this. And so he says that, and I have this profound encounter, and then I go. But what if that happens, and it's so incredible, and I'm like, man, I am going to worship Angel Chris Hemsworth. I'm going to build an altar towards Angel Chris Hemsworth. I'm going to build my life around Angel Chris Hemsworth. All of a sudden, it becomes out of alignment. I become focused on the tool of God rather than God himself. And so that's where these things can sort of get out of alignment is if we go and we kind of uh, put the cart before the horse. It's, uh, these, these gifts that we're talking about, these are things from God to accomplish incredible things. It's, it's similar. Uh, my wife is an incredible cook. She's amazing. She cooks super healthy meals, super tasty, super delicious. And so she is such an incredible cook. And one of the benefits that I got by marrying her was I have this incredible person who makes this great food for our family. But I can't imagine if when I first met her, I saw her across the room, I walked up to her, I looked at her and I was like, hey there. And she's like, hey. And I'd be like, you know, you're going to make a great cook for me one day. What? <laughs> I would not be standing here right now. I would not <laughs> as a married man. <laughs> if that was it, if I made the kind of her cooking the, the foundation of our relationship, it's like, no, 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 no. That is completely out of alignment. So we can see how many things that are good and pure and innocent, if we put them out of alignment, it goes off. It goes a little bit weird. And so if you're there and you're like, okay, my goal is to become a prophet. I'm going to be there and I'm going to read everyone's mail and I'm going to do all sorts of stuff. I'm going to win the lottery. I don't know. I'm going to use my secret prophet's ability. If that's what the goal is, it's like, no, no, no. That is out of alignment. What it is, is it's like, okay, God, I'm serving you first and more. Jesus, be active in my life. And then as these situations happen, as it's there, different gifts will come to you, and you will apply those gifts in those moments, and God will use them in those ways. Angels are cool and incredible and amazing, but they are just doing the work of God. Spiritual gifts are cool and incredible and amazing, but they are from the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus. How does that happen? Well, it happens through interaction with others. Wisdom from others Wisdom that you give to others if you are facing a difficult situation or if they are. And there have been moments where I've had a friend who's really in a difficult situation, and I've prayed with them, and I've talked with them, and I've said something to them, and as I was saying it, I'm like, and they're like, wow, that was really smart. And I'm like, I know it was not for me. <laughs> I'm not that smart. But in those difficult moments, it's like, okay, I need something else to tell them. I need something else to say. I need to help them navigate a situation. And I felt... God helping me walk through those situations with myself and with other friends. There's knowledge, knowledge that comes through a person who receives a spiritual understanding about someone in your life. There's faith, faith that comes to the Spirit when you have to believe for something to happen. Have you ever had something where you really have to believe for something? Where it's like, okay, I know this doesn't seem possible, but still, even though everyone's saying it's not possible, I believe it, I have that faith. And there's other people who have that faith around you. Or, 
the inverse, where it's there and you're feeling at your darkest, at your lowest moments. And God uses that gift to stir that faith up in you and say, you know what? Do not be afraid. You're okay. You're going to make it through this. Healing. Healing is manifested as people pray for one another. It's okay to kind of be there and say, okay, I'm there. I'm going to operate in this gift of the Spirit, and I'm going to pray those bold, bold prayers and pray for healing for another. We reach out, and we, sometimes we say, okay, God, I need miraculous powers for someone in need. Sometimes it's prophecy that shares the truth and the words of God. And there may be a moment when you have to uh, speak those truths, and God gives you that sort of word. Uh, there's a great story of a friend of mine at one chapel who went and was there and really kind of like walked by someone at a table and was like, oh, kind of had something pop in their head and like saw a little image of them and like, oh, I think I have something that God gave me to tell this person. And so she goes and she, she like walks by and is like, ah, no, 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 that's, that's too embarrassing. I'm not going to do it. And then she kind of like steps out of the restaurant. She's there and she's like, okay, I feel I really feel like I'm supposed to do it. So she walks back in, and she sits down with this couple, and she says to them, she's like, hey, uh, can I ask you something? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, are you guys going through a miscarriage right now? And all of a sudden, tears roll down their face. And this, out of nowhere, God kind of gave her this word to break through and minister and share with this couple. And it's a little mysterious. There is a mystery to this. It's a little freaky of like, okay, how does this happen? But remember, in this sort of idea, it's the idea of ministry and it's the idea of God being glorified in every encounter and in every conversation. You see, I think when we're t thinking about better, we're, we called this whole series better. And at first, when we talked about better, I was like, okay, I know what this series is. It's about being better. And better in American culture is this sort of really uh, central idea, which is like, okay, I'm going to be better, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be awesome, I'm going to get better at sales, I'm going to get better times on my run, I'm going to get better uh, at school, I'm going to get better at whatever that thing is that you're like, okay, I was here, I'm going to work, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to get better. And this is, this is the series where I get the tips and the tricks and the tools and the hacks to get better at this thing that I want to get better at. We think of God almost like a personal trainer. And that's not really what this message today is about. Another, another way that we think about better is better of like, okay, I'm hurting. I have this hurt inside. I'm sick, and I need to be better from it. When my, whenever my daughters get injured and kids get injured a lot, it's amazing. They just walk down the sidewalk, and the sidewalk is like, boom, falls and scrapes, and it doesn't matter. Like any, everything's dangerous when you have a bunch of kids. The whole world is a big, dangerous place. And so my kids get hurt all the time. And you know what? They're bleeding. What do they ask for? A Band-Aid. They ask for a Band-Aid. Band-Aids are like magic to them. And so I put on, on Band-Aids. 90% of the time, they're not bleeding, but I still put a Band-Aid on everything. I have stock in Band-Aids. And so just my kids are covered in Band-Aids. They're like, thanks, Dad. That made it better. And so sometimes that's what we're looking for from the Holy Spirit of like, okay, this is like a Band-Aid to make it better. But no, that's, that's not uh, exactly what we're talking about today. What if better is this? Better is something that I have access to something that I didn't even know was inside of me. I have access to something that I didn't even know was a part of me. John 16, 17 says this. I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. If I do not go, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When the helper comes, he will show the world the truth about sin. He will show the world about being right with God. 
And I love the very first, early on in the verse, it says, I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. And this is so counterintuitive. And I, the band can go ahead and come on up here and uh, get ready as we get ready to wrap up. But he says this, he says, it is better for you that I go away. And this is Jesus who's been there, who's been stepping with them, who's been walking every step of the way. And the disciples are like, how is it better that you're leaving? But then I wonder about this. I wonder about Peter being in the garden. And Jesus is, uh, when Jesus left them and he was all completely alone, Peter was there and he was, uh, he was outside the court temples and he was there alone to face the accusers. And that's when Peter denied Jesus three times. And I wonder if Jesus, as he's telling this story, knew that moment would happen and knew that, you know what? You're going to go through a time and you're going to fail. But there's going to be a moment where you're going to have strength that you couldn't muster up on your own, where you're going to have faith that you couldn't muster up on your own because the Holy Spirit is with you. Thomas went, and Thomas was there, and he was the disciple who was faithfully following Jesus, who's all the way in. But then when everything went, went aside, Thomas wasn't even there the first time Jesus appeared. And so he went, when Jesus came back, he completely doubted in Jesus, and he was like, I, I just don't have the faith to face this. And Jesus came and said, put your hands in my hands. Feel my scars. Feel the scar on my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. I wonder if Jesus knew, you know what, even these guys who have been closest with me, they're going to have these moments where they think it's better that I'm with them with every step, but I can't physically be everywhere else. So I'm going to have the spirit with them that's there no matter where they are, no matter what they're facing. That spirit is going to be with them and walk with them. And that spirit is going to empower them to not just watch me do miracles, but that they will do miracles themselves. And that same spirit that Jesus is talking about in that passage, that same spirit that Paul is talking about in Corinthians 12, is alive today. He's alive in this room, and he can be alive in you. So if you're like, okay, how do I do this? How do I receive spiritual gifts? Well, couple of things you can do. One, you can accept Jesus as Lord of your life. And so if you haven't done that, that's where it starts with. It's like, all right, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the center of my life. Two, acquire faith and truth in the area of spiritual gifts. This idea this morning, it's, these are big theological concepts, and this is just kind of like kind of wading into these big theological concepts. And so you can't stop here. You have to acquire more faith read more about it, learn more about it, come to the Holy Spirit worship night and kind of like, okay, I'm going to wrestle through this stuff and find out what it is. Apply yourself to learning about these spiritual gifts. And then you ask for the Lord to give you the spiritual gifts. And so it says, Jesus says, we seek and we ask. And so these moments when you need wisdom, you know what? You can ask for wisdom. When you need a word, you can ask for a word. You can sort of start operating these things and say, okay, God, I, I need you. And it's not going to go flawlessly. There will be some bumps and whatever else, but it will be kind of like Claire watching football where at first it's like, this is totally confusing and I don't understand it. And as you step in it every day, every day, every day, more and more you'll understand of like, okay, I see these things at work in my life. I see these things at work in the life of others. So I just want to challenge you to kind of process that and think about that throughout today and uh, as we come to the table this morning. 
We take open communion at one chapel, which means anyone who professes Jesus as their Lord and Savior is invited to take communion. And so as you stand up and take the elements, this is the mo- some of the moments where you can first pray those prayers and say, okay, God, what gifts do you have in me? How do I walk more in this? How do I step more in this? And so think about that and do that. So again, the ushers will... Uh, Dismiss you on your right, and then you'll go all the way through the line. We ask that everyone goes all the way through so people don't have to step over you. So I'll pray, and then we'll take communion together. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you are alive in us, Lord, that your spirit is alive in us. And so I pray as we're talking about these ideas of gifts of the spirit, Lord, that you would give each and every one of us revelation of how these things work, of how we can use knowledge how we can be a better servant, how we can communicate your truths, how we can be generous, how we can be fearless, Lord. Help us see these gifts of the Spirit and how we can apply them into our own lives and how we can apply them to help others out who are needing help. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. In your name, amen.